there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. You know, I feel like today, Dr. Batar, is one of those days where you show up at the office and say, dude, you know, we're only supposed to have like 10 patients for you. We got 100, right? We got 100 things to do. How are we going to get it all in? You got to be Superman. Well, I guess we better get going. (laughs) All right. Diving right into it. First and foremost, the mainstream media is going bonkers over the measles outbreak in Disneyland. We, we covered this, this story last hour as well, and they had a medical ethicist on saying, you know, all of us who question vaccines or don't vaccinate our children are flat earthers, we're Holocaust denialists. I mean, it's incredible. They're so desperate to make sure no one else learns that maybe there's a better way to strengthen immunity besides putting toxins into the, into the bodies of newborn babies. Well, the question has to be asked is if the vast majority of these people are vaccinated as they are, then why did they have the measles break out? Why didn't anybody answer that question? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> no, no, they got to call us names and deny it. Because, you know, again, if you're allowed to think clearly about this situation, you start stepping back. And, of course, they're still arguing that the herd immunity thing. And then they'll come back, Dr. Batar, and they'll say, well, we know the vaccine's not 100% effective. That's why we have to vaccinate everybody so that even if somebody gets it, maybe others won't. Yeah, well... It's one of those things, you know, Robert, the, the herd mentality aspect. I, I just don't, I just don't want to be part of that herd. I have always <laughs> liked that term that you use, the sheeples. Yes. And as a sheeple, kind of, I always get this picture in my mind of the lemmings going off the edge of the cliff. Exactly. And the sheeples are, are, as they go off the cliff, I would rather get the measles, which you and I both know that mm-hmm. the chances of us getting the measles is far, far less, exponentially less than somebody that's been vaccinated for it. Mm-hmm. Not because we've had necessarily uh, an exposure to the measles, but because our immune system is that much more intact because it hasn't been violated. Mm-hmm. At least ours hasn't been violated in the last 10, 15, 20 years, as opposed to many people whose immune system has been assaulted right. over and over repetitiously. So we know that our resistance would be that much better to anything. It's not just to measles, to pretty yeah. much anything. Well, we were. I was exposed. My son had measles, chickenpox, and measles. So you know, we were exposed, no problem. Uh, But again, they're they're hearkening back to 1850s and saying, "Oh my gosh, half the people are going to die." Yet zero, even in this compromised environment that we're in, of those outbreaks that they claim to have are happening right now, nobody has died. Few have been hospitalized, but nobody has died. Exactly. And so, when your underlying immune system is better functional. There's less assaults, less toxins, less burden, less things to make it weaker, less things to make it more susceptible, then by de- definition, your body is going to be able to withstand the various pressures and burdens that it's been exposed to compared to those that have a, a greater amount of toxicity in their bodies and have had what I call an annihilation of the immune system by this indiscriminate use of vaccinations. And again, You know, I don't want to sound like we're a broken record here. We're not anti-vaccine. We're anti 
conventional vaccine. We the do way they're doing that. it today. Yes, exactly. exactly. There's a distinction. And, of course, there are things called like homeoprophylaxis that they will not acknowledge because, they, again, they claim that there's no such thing as energy, right? Energy doesn't matter. What? Uh, so we'll get into that another time. But uh, suffice it to say, again, they're yelling and screaming, and it's not looking good for them. It shows me they're, they've jumped the shark, so to speak. When they've got nothing else to do, they start calling us names and that is, it's, it's not very impressive. I just remember this years ago after 9-11 and the, the fears of bioterrorism. I helped to come out with a, a homeopathic remedy that included all of the different bioterror agents in a homeopathic form. It could never harm anybody. But immediately the FDA got wind of it, visited, and said, uh-uh, you can't do that. And I ended up on TV in Atlanta on a Fox News station. They interviewed me. I was very calm about it, relaxed, just relating it. And then the person they had to counter me was like an Emory PhD where I went to school. And she was a whiny lady. I don't know. what. I mean, she sounded like hysterical. I'm thinking, you know, this doesn't look good for you. You know, they can't calmly dialogue this stuff. Yeah, it's maybe she's had too many vaccines. So, you know, the, the, the honest response to somebody who has a legitimate argument to make will always be a quiet um, exchange of ideas and, and openness. And, you know, you can agree mm-hmm. to disagree. Now, sure. having said that, I was in Italy, and I was a keynote speaker at a conference on uh, childhood neurological disorders, and I had been invited by the uh, head of the neurological division for the public health division of uh, Italy, and it it did get pretty agitated. I mean, that uh, whole conference did get pretty ugly, and the reason was was because they had, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was the, that guy that did all the research for uh, the vaccines, uh, the infectious disease guy, uh, uh, Offit, Offit, what do they call him, Offit the Prophet or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Paul Offit, the guy who vaccine profits. Right, and uh, I never even realized it till years later who it was. I never, I didn't know what his name was, but that would explain why his new book that came out had a chapter on he attacking had five you. Chapters and five doctors. I'm yeah, sorry? and you were one of them. Exactly. Yeah, I was badge of, of honor, I, my I, friend. I, well, I, I kind of thought it's like I was surprised when I heard that I was, he had a whole chapter on me. I was like, I would never even mention him in my book. So I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, where that came up from. But anyway, it, it had been one of those things where he was the last speaker after myself, mm-hmm. and he basically showed some of my slides but gave half-truth and tried to minimize some of the things that we were talking about, and it got it got really ugly because I got agitated. Two of the other doctors that you get come, you know, on the, on the stage that were sitting me on the panel were trying to calm me down because I was, the guy was just blatantly lying. And then the best part was that a woman stands up in the audience. I think you and I have talked about this off the air, but a woman stands mm-hmm. up in the audience, and I had those little earpieces in that basically allowed the interpreter to be able to uh, narrate what's happening, and it was all being right. said. He was speaking in English, so I knew what he was saying, but you know, many, many of the other people there didn't speak English. There was Italians, Germans, everything was there, uh, French. So it was a European conference. And what was interesting was when this woman started speaking, she just stands up, and I mean, I'm getting agitated. They're trying to calm me down. I'm sure it looked like a circus up there. And this woman starts to say stuff, and Often stand up and he's smiling, right? Because he thinks that this woman is like supporting him. But she, she was like, you know, really, really in Italian saying something, and she was her hands were down. She was angry, and she was like basically screaming. And the narrator is narrating this, and he's thinking that she's getting upset with me because I'm creating an agitated situation up on stage. Mm-hmm. And then I hear the interpreter, you know, saying something there, 
And then the head of the center said, can we say that? And she was basically calling him a son of a you-know-what and everything else. Yeah, yeah. And basically she, her child had been under treatment using our protocol with one of the doctors there in Italy and had started speaking, became diaper trained, et cetera, et cetera. Wow, and, yeah. And essentially ridiculed him off the stage. Everybody was clapping for this woman. And I realized, I was like, you know what? I'm getting agitated over nothing. I just sat down. I didn't have anything more to say after that. Nicely so I think done. the truth itself will yeah. end up speaking, even though sometimes inside ourselves, that turmoil that, that sure. to defend or to, you know, uh, to basically make our viewpoint. Because here's the thing. The catastrophic consequence of our argument being negated without being heard is that mm-hmm. people die. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, but the perception is the opposite, of course, and they attack the parents, they ignore the doctors, such as yourself and a doctor we quoted last hour who says, don't do the vaccine, get the illness, you're much better off, uh, and their plan is backfiring. And just like you had said, I would referenced this last hour, while the vaccine herd stampedes over an immunological cliff, they move into what we might call autistic oblivion, which if they yeah. deny this information coming out, they may never be recovered. So... As far as I'm concerned, there is a difference in each individual's ability to discern the truth from the non-truth. And Mm -hmm. that is what allows an individual to survive. That is what allows an individual and their progeny to survive, for them to contribute to the genetic pool. It would be really no less than talking about Darwin's theory of uh, survival of the fittest, or you know, the uh, evolutionary uh, selective bias, if you will. And I think that we're at that critical juncture now that people can allow somebody else to think for them and, as you said, go into this uh, oblivion state, or we can mm-hmm. start thinking for ourselves and look at what the argument is and use our own intellectual uh, ability to discern the truth from the non-truth. Yeah. And, you know, but, we... But, we... You know, it's, we need to get we need to get Liam Chef back on with us to talk about these official stories again. Remind everybody of this to help them see through it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's not a bad idea. The other thing, Robert, too, is that I believe that um, if you look at history, if people want to look at history and see how often the governments, the professional bodies, the specialty groups look at how many times whatever they advocate has been the correct answer has been the truth. And historically, we know that it's like 90% plus of the time, whatever the governmental bodies are talking about, this is not just in our society, you can go back historically over the last 5,000 years, whatever has been advocated by the authoritarian body of the time, Mm -hmm. whether it's professional, whether it's political, whether it's militaristic, whatever it is, has been always on the, or usually is always on the wrong side of the argument. Yeah. And well, so if history is any precedence, then, you know, we know exactly what's going on here. But it doesn't even take history to look at it. It just takes common sense, for God's sake. Right, right. I mean, if you want to be a collectivist cliff diver, go right ahead. We're not going to stop you. I mean, we'll, we might say, hey, you know, not a good idea to jump off that cliff with everybody else, but we're not into violently stopping you. It's your freedom to do so. We'd hope that you listen. If you're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show, it's Advanced Medicine. We do this every week with Dr. Rasha Batar. You can always catch the... Archives, the easy version for this is right at medicalrewind.com, which is awesome. And, uh, again, a discussion of this magnitude because people are looking for answers and they are detecting. They've got their, I'll just say it, the BS meters are working better. And the more these doctors and medical ethicists are screaming at us about our perspectives on the immune system, 
the more they're going to lose these parents who are not convinced by any amount of screaming by these doctors who basically lied to them and kept this information from them. Yeah, but that's, the, that's the truth, Robert, that when people start to use their own common sense and they start looking at, at, the, at the information for what it is, the truth will be will beckon to them and their BS meters will start to sense. Work again, yeah. All right, we're going to take our first break of this hour. Dr. Rashi Bittar is with us. The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, the international bestseller. It's linked up in the show notes as well at robertscabell.com. Get it? we got a question about homocysteine and more after this break. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. And help me do that each and every week. Dr. Rashi Bittar, drbittar.com, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com. All the links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. You know, Dr. Bittar, we've talked about these topics so many times, and, and they need to be said again and again to reinforce, and, of course, all the new listeners that come on board here. But one of the things that the old guard, the mainstream media, they never like to show are people that have actually healed from these things or that were actually injured from these things because if you start showing that and then the, that's, there are doctors like yourself that have results it's a game changer for them so that's kind of the place where they can't go well that's a very good point in fact over the last 18 years that I've been in private practice and obviously everybody has their detractors and I've got more than my share of the detractors and the naysayers but I've also got a lot of people that have been helped now from 83 countries and, and a lot of accolades and a lot of um, positive expression and, and you know intentions that have been sent out, and that's you know when you, when you that's the key that's the that's the litmus paper test. What which way works? Which way has resulted in benefits to the individuals? And if you start to look at from a philosophical standpoint, you start to look at the differences. The difference is very very simple, Robert. The difference is where one thing is where one side is being treated with synthetics, and again, synthetics isn't the difference, because I use synthetic substances too, because as I said, putting an IV in, using, using ethylene tetracetic acid, or many of these other chemical substances that are synthetic man-made, there's nothing natural about that. But when you're using, using synthetics to cover up symptoms versus you use whatever treatment modality you have to enhance the system, to get the system back on track, to get the physiological laws that have been that our bodies have been created with to get them back in line so that we are no longer blocking, stopping, uh, you know, annihilating the system the way it was designed. So when you start looking at all these drugs, you've got beta blockers, you've got calcium channel blockers, you've got ACE inhibitors, you're inhibiting, blocking, stopping reactions. We're not enhancing, uh, promoting, allowing these things to move forward, and that's what we need to do. We need to allow the metabolic processes to move forward. So how do we do that? We get the garbage out of the body, and if we have to use synthetics to get the garbage out of the body, then so be it. But the point is we're trying to reestablish and reboot the system to that what it was when we were born, when we were yeah. as clean as, as we were created by and the And, of course, we talked about the extraordinary environmental degradation, some of it external to us, some of it applied by injection by the medical profession, again, corrupting the integrity of a healthy terrain. Uh, and that's what that's why I said we're we're supportive of all the methods to get that get people out of crisis like this. 
Right, and Robert, I just want to point out too before we go on to the next subject, it's not just the sure. vaccines, okay? It's the no. drugs that people are given. It's the bre- air that they're breathing with the combustion of fossil fuels that are that where the standards have been lax. It's the uh, environmental burden that has been placed on the food substances that we're eating, the genetic modification of the foods, the homogenization, pasteurization, right. the radiation of the food. It's the water we're drinking. It's everything on top of everything else that it's amazing to me that the human system, the physiological system, not just even the human system, any system, whether it's a cow, a horse, a dog, whatever, it's amazing that they're still functional with as much garbage and as as much damage that we do to ourselves. Mm -hmm. All right, here's a question. Go ahead. To the the ultimate uh, design of the creator is what it is. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And it'll come back to the same situation i'm sure with this question because a woman's concerned because her homocysteine level is 165 stephanie writes in she says the doctors at brigham's and women say we don't know what to do about it we're not worried about it i mean you know the whole idea as we said of cholesterol we know it's different and distinct again a 165 homocysteine what would you say well i mean homocysteine is a non-specific marker you know of it, it indicates inflammation it Usually, the the best, the easiest way to treat homocysteine levels, if, if you're concerned about homocysteine levels, is it usually indicates that the person has a methylation compromise and they need more B vitamins. But really, everybody that's trying to give more B vitamins because somebody's homocysteine levels are up, they've mm-hmm. basically forgotten the first step in in this whole cascade. And that first step is there's a reason that the that the B vitamins are down. There's a reason that the system is, you know, in a sympathetic momentum overdrive. It is the reason why the homocysteine levels are up. There's, there's something that's going on. What is that something? We don't know what it is until we work the individual up. And it's probably metals. It's probably persistent organic foods. It's probably mm-hmm. any one-off, probably multiple sure. number of those seven toxicities. And as soon as we start addressing those things, then the body's methylation, glycosylation, you know, acetylation passes will start coming back online, and everything will come back intact, and the body will be very Yeah, but the one syllable it must need to need to get rid of the garbage. Yeah, the one syllable word here is stress. Physical toxins are stress. Emotions are stress. And they're all all levels, and of course, the nine steps to keep the doctor away goes into all of that and how to remove them. So it's not just about vitamin B shots; it's about removing the garbage. Come back to that, and we'll come back to that. Also, a cancer story after this. Great heavens, what kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. If you're a longtime listener to the Robert Scott Bell Show, we do advanced medicine every week here with Dr. Rashid Batar. You know, last week we were pre- kind of previewing a, a webinar that we're working on behind the scenes with Dr. Batar. I just want to let you know we haven't forgotten it. You'll be the first to know. The moment it's set up, we'll be able to set up places where you can go and participate and be part of it. That's all I'm going to say today. Dr. Batar is working very hard behind the scenes with his team as well. Uh, but right now, I want to dive into the topic of, of cancer chemotherapy again just like we talked about vaccines you have a very polarized people that will say you're irresponsible for not doing something like chemically uh poisoning a child's body to kill the cancer uh you know in playing a game of chemotherapeutic chicken and uh dr batar of course you 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 didn't go into medicine planning on helping people with cancer necessarily but it turns out a lot of people come to you for help in this way well 
I really didn't go into medicine to do anything to do with cancer or autism or any of the stuff that we do. I, I actually went in because I was planning on doing uh, a trauma surgery fellowship, and that's why I did a. That's why I started doing the general surgery residency, and that was my direction. But you know, as we know, uh, when we when we listen to what the creator wants us to do, we change our course. And right. now I understand why what happened happened, and um, it, it's interesting too that. My name in Arabic means one who stays on the right path of life. And you know, Robert, you know that you probably don't know anybody that's more off the path than I am. But I get to keep on, I keep on getting kicked in the right direction. So, <laughs> yes. And if we ask Ty about that, he's probably doing some kicking. Yeah, exactly. But uh, fortunately, you know, the direction was was uh, I was pushed in the right direction. So, you know, when we're talking about things like the side effects of chemotherapy and mm. and the side effects of many of the conventional therapies, it's almost like jumping right out of the frying pan, right smack into the middle of the into fire. The fire. So yeah. we end up having a detrimental occurrence occurring just from the treatment. The iatrogenic yeah. will be called the doctor-induced cause of death. And we sure. know that, yeah. according it, to the uh, Journal of American Medical Association, it came out a couple of years ago, about a decade ago, a little bit more than a decade ago, the third leading cause of death um, was iatrogenic causes. And, uh, of course, mm-hmm. those that didn't agree with that data said it wasn't the third leading cause of death behind cancer and heart disease. It was only the fifth leading cause of death. So that was their argument. Right, and it's not a very strong argument. Well, there's an investigation that has been launched into the death of a girl, 11-year-old uh, from Canada, who died after refusing chemo. But it's kind of a misleading headline here. She she actually went through 12 weeks of chemo and decided you know, with her parents that, that she didn't want to go through this in this way. Uh, she had acute lymphoblastic uh, leukemia. She stopped the treatment in May uh, and opted for some form of traditional medicine and eventually died of uh, an apparent stroke recently. A sad, sad story. But I want to hear from her, her voice first. And then, Dr. Patron, I'm going to ask you to comment on this, your perspective. But uh, everybody give a listen to this 11-year-old uh, very clearly describing what she did not want to do. Hi, my name is Michaela Rainsalk, and I am writing this letter to tell you that this chemo that I am on is killing my body, and I cannot take it anymore. It has brought me to the point where I had to get carried everywhere and had to get everything done for me because I felt so sick. I have asked my mom and dad to take me off the treatment because I don't want to go this way anymore. I was sick to my stomach all the time, and I lost about 10 pounds because I couldn't keep nothing down. I know that what I have can kill me, but I don't want to die in a hospital on chemo. We can sit. Man, I'm just like tears are welling up in my eyes as I hear her voice. She knows, see, she was aware of the risk, at least it sounded like it, and yet when she came off of it, they said she might have been doing better, but why did she die of a stroke? Well, that's one of the things that chemotherapy uh, is known to cause the vascular tree to become very brittle, and one of the very common side effects is cardiac anomalies, uh, where people develop uh, cardiomegaly, that I have a heart attack, myocardial infarction, after having had the chemotherapy. So all sorts of problems with the vascular system. And as you know, the vascular system, if it's assaulted will manifest into one of three different types of uh, outcomes. You'll either have a, a peripheral vascular issue, which is, you know, hands, feet. You'll have a cerebrovascular issue, which is 
brain, meaning stroke, or you have a cardiovascular issue, which is a heart. So generally speaking, the heart or the brain are the two that get the damage the most, and either they'll die of a stroke or they'll die of a heart attack. And this is a very, very common side effect of chemotherapy. In fact, we've even covered this, Robert, a couple of years ago. We talked about some people. There was a story that we covered about the side effects of chemotherapy manifesting as cardiovascular disease later on in life. And those people that are dying from that, right? it, it, was, it was not showing up under the chemo uh, death because it was five years or more out, but really it was because it was induced from the chemotherapy. Right. Well, they, they went back and found one pediatric oncologist, according to this article, that says it's unlikely that chemotherapy drugs would cause a stroke. Is that, I mean, that doesn't sound right. Well, it's, it's preposterous. And remember, when the medical board came against me, they actually found an oncologist to say that uh, this whole concept of cancer, uh, eating sugar, is all garbage and there's no scientific basis for that. And so when we responded with like, cancer is an obligate glucose metabolism. It's known, and they say that that's all poppy talk. It's all rubbish. This is all voodoo, right. uh, alternative medicine garbage you guys are putting out. So I wrote down a piece of paper. I said, ask him what a PET scan is. He said, what's a, what's a PET scan? And he goes, it's a scan that's done to uh, you know, assess uh, the, the metastasis of cancer. And what basis is that uh, used? What's the basis of the PET scan, doctor? Well, it's a radioisotope labeled molecule. And what's the molecule that they radioisotope the labeling? Uh, <laughs> well, it's, uh, what type of molecule is it, doctor? Uh, it's the sugar molecule. Well, why are they doing a sugar molecule? Why is that? You know, he's kind of looking around like, oh, shit, I just, excuse me, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I sure he said that, but what, what, what happened was that you, tra- you trapped him in that, his, the lie, he was caught in the lie right on the stand. And, exactly. and indeed, and so the the point, these... Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, they just basically ignored it. Remember, the kangaroo court, so, you know, the, the medical board, they pretty much were all sitting there saying, oh, yeah, that probably wasn't the smart thing to say because once he locked himself into that, because the whole reason that they use a radioisotope labeled glucose molecules because of the uptake of sugar preferentially in cancer or highly metabolic cells. So whether it's, you know, it could be like a, it could, it's pregnancy, for example, if a woman's pregnant, there'll be a higher uptake of sugar there. But also, PET scans usually aren't done in pregnant women. They're done in cancer patients. It's a higher uptake of sugar level shows more metabolic activity, i.e. cancer. And the point that I'm making here is with this doctor making this comment, of, well, you know, it's highly unlikely that it causes, that chemotherapy would cause a stroke. That's the same type of a ridiculous argument. It's known right. in the chemotherapeutic literature that that you know you have to be careful for uh, cytotoxicity of the chemotherapeutic agents, and the, uh, the areas that are most susceptible are the vascular tree, the cardiovascular tree. This is something they look at. They look at kidneys. They look at liver. They look, they look at all this stuff because they know that it causes problems. That's why they're How are they, uh, Doctor Batar? How are they delivering a lot of these chemo drugs? Are they directly into the veins? Absolutely. It's intravenous, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, again, toxic chemotherapy, they're killers of cells. They're playing a game. And here's the thing, Robert. Mm-hmm. If you look at anybody that's handling chemotherapeutic agents, they're not just walking around like you would handle vitamin C in your hand. Mm-hmm. You know, if you walk around with protective gloves on, I mean, it's almost like they've got hazmat suits on. You know, they've got these. It, 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 this is not benign stuff. It's just like those people that say if a mercury amalgam was unsafe, we wouldn't be using it. Then why the hell is it that if you spill an amalgam on the ground in a dental office, it has to be walled up as a hazardous dump or hazardous spill? You have to wall it up. You have to call an OSHA. You have to get biodegradable bags and dispose of it, you know, using hazardous waste containers. But some kind of 
alchemic process occurs when you put it in somebody's mouth and all of a sudden it becomes safe? Yeah. I mean, these are the, the, the height of ridiculousness in these arguments that people make. I almost don't even want to argue with people like that. I've, I've actually gotten to the point that in the last four or five years, when I hear people trying to argue this, yeah, I tell them, that's great. Go do it. Yeah, because knock I, yourself I, out, right? My, my theory is that they're just going to eliminate themselves from the genetic pool. Yeah, well, and it's also like they, they, when they call, you know, come back to herd immunity, right? It's 55%. No, it's 60. No, it's 75. No, it's 85. No, it's 94. No, it's 93. You know, what's the percentage that they say you have to have? And it just changes all the time to, to match up to whatever they need to convince you of. And it's not based on their so-called gold standard. It's in the peer-reviewed literature. I mean, point to the one study that shows herd immunity is actually real. Yeah, it's, it's all an illusion anyway, exactly. Yeah. I mean, now we, this, is a, this is actually very mnemonic off the entire modern societal um, methodology of education, if you think about it. You know, it's not, it's not just in medicine. It's in every aspect. You know, it's in, just look at the legal aspect. For example, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people died, and God knows how many people were jailed during the prohibition for alcohol, right? Then alcohol is made illegal. Man makes a change over here in law, and all of a sudden everything's okay. And now they're going through that with the, the cannabis issue. You know, it's been made illegal. Let me get the history behind it. Why it was made illegal it was had nothing to do with the substance itself, which I thought it was just a bad thing. But apparently, it was mm-hmm. all because of the uh, paper, the, the 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 trees that were, I guess it was tree milled all about paper rice and and marijuana with a cheaper fiber to uh, print paper on. But the person who owned the big well yeah william randolph hearst it was an economic imperative to to villainize cannabis in this way yeah i mean it wasn't rooted in 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 reality yeah exactly so these types of things you know we see this in all aspects in the indoctrination of how people's minds are are programmed i was talking to a person earlier on you know when people are talking about a return on their investment a five percent ten percent you know if you get a fifteen percent annual rate of return that's supposed to be a fantastic thing and they've dumbed us down because they're only giving us 1% or half a percent or quarter of a percent in our, in our bank account. But my dad taught me a prayer, or not prayer, uh, a poem. He, he taught me a poem when I was a kid, and the poem was, I argued with life for a penny only to find dismayed that anything I would have asked of life, life would have paid. So it's really, we are mm-hmm. being constrained and limited in, our, in the way we program, you know, this herd mentality aspect, this return on your money aspect, this, you know, this is the best you can hope to achieve aspect. I think it's, it's not just in medicine, it's in all aspects of life. And, and if there's one thing that I would like people to do, is to break beyond your bounds of constraints and stretch your mind, elastic, pull it apart and see what the possibilities are. Well, that's why we need to do a webinar and do more videos and do more events and continue with a more advanced medicine here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Always having a great time with Dr. Batar. Check it out, drbatar.com. The links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. We'll see where we go in the final segment. Stick with us. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. 
Here's Roberts. Super Don, I want to get that audio clip and play it again from last hour for Dr. Batar because it's so rare that you get a doctor that agrees with us that's allowed to be on a mainstream news channel, uh, right. especially about the vaccine thing. I think it would be cool to play it. Uh, it's, it's one thing they can't have happen, yet it's a consciousness shift. It's, it's, it's bleeding through. They can't contain it. They can't control it. Give a listen to this. I think this was out of Arizona, but it was in response to all of the controversy about measles, the MMR shot, the outbreak in, in Disneyland. They actually had one doctor. They call him the paleocardiologist, Dr. Jack Wolfson. Dr. Wolfson has two kids. They've never been vaccinated, and he believes children should be getting infections. We should be getting measles, mumps, rubella, chickenpox. These are the rights of our children to get it. What? Can you imagine? Can you imagine that played on the news? <laughs> That's fantastic. We should actually I mean, have this guy on, and we should, have, we should actually allow for a voice for all people that are talking sense should actually be on the radio. And I don't mean just anybody, but I mean somebody like you know, somebody like this guy who has. Yeah, given- no, I, I would love to reach out to this guy and get him on and applaud him for being willing to speak out. Not only that he perceives it and believes it the way we do, but the fact is, a lot of these guys, you know, that we know exist, are not always willing to put their head up above for the fear of getting shot off or losing their license. You, of course, you know that firsthand. They attacked you so viciously, and what what the cost was. Uh, but yeah, I like to applaud these folks that are doing it. Whatever happened with that doctor that uh, you had talked about on the air who was a student when he first contacted you like 10 years ago and now the physician, you said you would reach out to him. Did you ever do that? Yeah, you know, I, I haven't heard back from him yet, but it's partly my fault because I've been so ridiculously busy that uh, he's probably trying to reach me and I haven't actually been able to follow up. So thank you for reminding me that. In fact, I'm going to dig back that email because I definitely want to get him on the air. What an, He was a, such a nice nice uh, boy i could say the time i met him now a, a, a man that's a you know full-on doctor with what he's doing so thank you for reminding me of that Th- those are the heart opening stories i love to bring out because there's certainly enough de- divisiveness out there but uh i, th- yeah, I think it was just kind of interesting too because i remember when you mentioned that story and we kind of talked about it then to have other people on that you know other people's perspectives but and it's not because they agree with us, it's because mm-hmm. they have become enlightened. So they've yes. evolved beyond the point of, you know, having your head stuck in the sand and covering up your ears and saying, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. To me, that's something that should be applauded and, and uh, encouraged. That's, yeah. you know, when, not, not, not stick your head in the sand, not, not that. Meaning no, 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 yeah. I'll yeah. come outspoken to encourage people and, and help them get their message out too. Yeah. Well, I think let's do that. I'm going to try and reach out to him. Thank you for reminding me of that. See if we can bring out. Maybe we can get Liam on again because, again, we, we the opening up the mind. When I go out and lecture, you know, I talk about your book, of course, with every lecture I do because I want people not only to hear what I have to say, but I want them to absorb the information of those who have, have you know, uncovered these things, those who have stories to tell. And that's kind of like the exercise of the mind and the spirit in addition to the exercise of the body, the physical body that we all know we need to do. Uh, these are things that help to counteract all of that programming we've talked about. All of the things that have been put into our head, like the prayer or poem you said your dad gave you. You know, people are programming you to believe so little of yourself, like the parable I love so much about uh, you, came, you came as eagles, the eagles versus the chickens, and, you know, the eagle that was born in a flock of chickens and looked up at the eagle soaring above him and said, I wish I could fly like that, and he was always able to, but he was convinced by the chickens around him that he wasn't. Yeah, and that's a very, very apropos story because that's exactly what's going on in all industry. All the chickens are telling the eagles that 
you're supposed to be a chicken. And the worst part is that these children that are suffering from autism, they are cognitively superior to their peer group. It is because of those children, because they weren't poisoned back 50, 75, 100 years ago that allowed us today to have the Internet, to have plasma TVs, to have you know, space travel and planes and trains and automobiles, et cetera, et cetera. But that very population that allowed for us to sell and to, to make all these comforts that we take for granted today being available to us, it's that same population now that has, seems to become susceptible. It's that the raw cognitive ability is, seems to be defined by the same allele that is also defining the inability to excrete, where, where the damage occurs or the polymorphism occurs. So it's, it's actually the chicken and the eagle story is appropriate to this issue with autism. Right. Well, start soaring like an eagle, and I hope you're inspired to do so each week when we have Dr. Batar on, on because I certainly am, and I appreciate you so much, my friend. I appreciate you too, Robert. Thank you. All right, stick around. We'll be back tomorrow with more healing in the meantime. Remember this. Tell your friends it's the God's honest truth. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.